0: Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Peter Bodway. Peter manages strategy and partnerships for an innovative alliance of energy companies committed to reducing environmental impacts through collaborative R&D efforts. Peter worked for more than 20 years in Asia, building and investing in a variety of businesses. His most recent role outside of Canada was with the World Wildlife Fund, where he was the chief executive officer of WWF China, based in Beijing. Prior to that, Peter lived in Hong Kong for 15 years working in the technology industry. Let's hang out with Peter and his guest, Julie Hauko. Peter, the mic is yours. Thanks, Al. Hi, my name's Peter Bodoing, and I'll be
1: your host of today's Rainforest Podcast. Today's guest is Julie Hauko. She's the creator of the STEM Mums Project. So firstly, Julie, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Pete, I'm really excited to be here.
1: That's interesting. I'm excited as well, because one of the first times we, we met, um, you were starting a new role and you just identified in a way the early seeds of the STEM Mums project. So I'm really excited to look t- you know, to hear about your journey so far. So on that, let, let's start off with tell us a bit about the STEM Mums project and what were you looking to address?
2: So a bit about me, I guess. I'm an engineer. I work in the energy industry. I've been working about 15 years. Uh, I'm also the mom of two children, ages four and seven. And I always tell uh, people that as a woman in STEM, I never, ever felt disadvantaged until I became pregnant. And uh, it set off, I guess, a series of happenings that was through no fault of anybody, not an organization, not a manager. It was just a lot of cracks in a system that I felt that I was falling through. And I felt really unsupported as a mother in a male-dominated space. Initially, I thought maybe it was something that was for me personally. Um, But the more and more women in my network that I spoke to, I started to realize that a lot of people felt similar. Um, And so it was kind of like a little bit of an itch that I wanted to scratch and and dig into and see if there's something there. And then I started to learn about the issue of retention for mid-career STEM women. And so there's a lot of talks on, you know, a pipeline. And if there's a lot of women uh, to feed pipelines to leadership positions, and they're finding there's not. And I wanted to understand... Is it in some way connected to parenthood?
1: So can you tell us a little bit about the process you did to sort of throughout? Because in a way, it was when we talked last time, you were just it was a concept and you went through the over the course of a year, you developed the project. So tell us about what what did it involve?
2: So really, it started out with a LinkedIn post. I put on LinkedIn one day, hey, this is a project or this is an idea for a project that I have and I really want to dive into it. Is anybody interested? And I had so many people reach out to me, people within my own network and also complete strangers who connected with me on LinkedIn and sent messages and said, hey, I want to be part of this project. Like your post really resonates with me. How can I be involved? And so we set up a Slack group and I would add people to the Slack group. And so within a matter of maybe a month, we had over 50 people in our Slack group. Um, I created an Instagram account as well. And we had a lot of people get involved via Instagram. Um, and so from there, it just took on a life of its own. Everyone would kind of introduce themselves and say, hey, I want to be involved because and every because was some sort of a barrier barrier or an issue that they had encountered. And so from that, that's how we created the list of topics that we wanted to dive into.
1: So you reviewed a bunch of topics. Maybe can you just give us an overview of what some of the topics were and. What was the end product? And then we'll dive into to some of the, the, the details.
2: Sure. So we came up with a list of almost 30 topics um, and we kind of high graded them to see what were the ones that seemed to come up a lot. And so the first topic we had was burnout culture, really talking about what is it like to work in a burnout culture in a male dominated space where you're also a parent? What are the really unique nuances to that? You know, you can't stay late after hours. You can't be always on because there's so much of your brain and your mental capacity that's also being used for family that it's hard to be fully dedicated to work. So that was a really big topic. Um, Another one was being the only. So a lot of women in STEM, they already feel that they're struggling because they're the only woman in the room. And there's a whole host of issues associated with that. So when you layer on top of it, the working parents component How do those challenges become even more stressed? And what does that look like? We talked about dual career parents. There's not a lot of support in society for dual career parents. And so we wanted to hear from participants to understand, do you feel supported as a dual career parent? Or how are you managing with your co-parent to both have careers and uh, to raise family together? Um, So that's just some of the questions or some of the topics. Uh, We talked about the mental load. Uh, We talked about parental leave and whether or not you felt supported going on uh, parental leave. Um, So a multitude of topics. So over the course of a
1: year, you discuss these topics. And then in the end, the end product is what sort of the the compilation, I guess. Can you tell us a little bit about the end product of where you got to?
2: That's right. And so um, initially we were trying to do a topic a week, which was like totally overambitious. And so we would host the topic in Slack. We'd have some polls on Instagram, and eventually we went to having actual Google Forms. And so probably, I think, three or four topics in, we would share on LinkedIn to say, hey, can you submit your contribution to this topic via Google Forms? And Google Forms ended up being a fantastic transition because now we have the data documented. People didn't have to assign their names to it, so it's completely anonymous, and people feel very comfortable um, to contribute you know, their personal experiences. One of the big topics we talked about was career gaps, and we had 36 people respond to the career gap topic to say, you know, how difficult it was for them to get back into the workforce following a gap. And some people didn't even bother. They've gone completely away from STEM because they felt that the challenge was um, too big. And so having 15 topics and having all of these summaries, uh, there was a lot of common themes. And what's really nice about the project was we weren't talking just about problems. We started to talk about solutions. And it was very much people saying, well, you know, I had this uh, support and it made all the difference to me. And those types of supports came up again and again. And so that's when the project really started to evolve to more of a solutions focus And so what we've coined those is actions for allies. And you'll see in the final report, that's kind of finding number two, where we summarize here are 12 actions that allies can take to better support uh, mothers who are STEM professionals in the workplace.
1: Well, let's explore that a bit, because, again, as you mentioned, one of the areas was allyship, advocacy and action. So as a manager, well, I, I, there's different, first of all, there's different allies, right? But let's, if, if we look at from a leader or manager's perspective, what actions can, can, a, can I take, I guess, to support a STEM up?
2: So for managers, it's a little bit different than, say, teammates. So let's start with managers. Let's say uh, you are a manager and you have someone on your team has just told you that they're expecting. They might have, I don't know, anywhere from four to six months before they go on for leave. So the first thing a manager should do is not make any assumptions whatsoever on how that individual's feeling or what they might need in the moment. Next, if the manager is able to create a supportive environment where the individual can ask for what they need and be fully transparent about their situation, now that individual is going to feel supported to ask for the things that they need to be successful. For some people, they might be feeling really ill. And maybe they're struggling to show up every day and they're really worried about what's the repercussion of that. For others, they might really want to get as much out of the next four to six months as they can before, before they go on leave. They might be worried about what's going to happen when they're away. And so creating the space to have that transparent and open communication uh, where the individual can, you know, be honest without fearing any negative repercussions and ask for the things that they need and having a manager who's very open-minded and willing to ensure the individual is supportive will result in the best outcome
1: well and let's continue that thought so i guess is you know you explained a little bit okay leading up to well in a way mat leave right mm-hmm. then you have the mat leave and coming back and those both of those in a way are phases and and again i always notice when Someone's been gone from the office for a long time. First of all, what should we do when they're away? Should we, you know, should we contact them? You know, there's certain things that we should keep them involved, keep them up to date. But then when they come back, that's a real crucial time because that's where the big shock occurs from being a year off, always with the child and then coming back. So what, what are things we can do to support them?
2: And so you really hit the nail on the head there. There's three real important phases. It's that before you go on leave, while you're on leave and then following leave. And so again, continuing with the theme of the open, transparent communication, a manager and teammates will want to check in with the individual to say, well, how do you want to be connected while you're off? Do you want to be invited? Do you want to be included on team emails? Would you like to, to call into our team meetings from time to time just to catch up? That's that's a really positive um, way for managers and teammates to include the individual who was off. Some people will want to have no contact whatsoever. And they might want to completely unplug for that period of while they're on leave. There's others who will incredibly miss being involved in the day to day. And it's those daily emails and updates and team meetings that makes them feel like they're still part of the team and part of the organization. And every individual is different. And so it's up to the manager and the teammates to check in and to ask those questions, offer the invite. Maybe the invite won't be accepted, but it's better to be offered than to not be offered yeah
1: so then let's okay so then that's the when they're away so let's talk about returning from leave again from that's a transition from being away for an extended period of time and then coming back how, how should a manager support a stem moms in that in that situation?
2: So this is a great question Pete and personally in the last seven years I've had uh, two maternity leaves and I've also started um, roles at two new companies more recently and uh, the contrast was drastically different between the two right when you are returning from parental leave it's often assumed well you know everyone and you know what's here and there's not a lot of effort not always but there's often not a lot of effort put into onboarding and making sure that you're getting everything that you need and that you know what your roles and your responsibilities are especially if you're coming back into the same role and for some people it's fine and that works out okay but for others things can change quite a bit when you're away And so what I have found is being a new employee, there's a lot of effort put in to make sure everything is ready for your first day, that your desk is set up and that you know who you're reporting to. Um, Even more recently, I, you know, was connected for coffees with various people that I would be working with so I could hit the ground running and get up to speed. There's also this idea of 30, 60, 90 day. What are you expected to achieve in the first 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, and having check-ins with your leader to ensure that you're meeting those expectations? And do you need anything to help you meet those expectations? And so my personal experience on leaves was I did not really have that type of an onboarding back into uh, the workplace. And I think if managers could view parental leave re-onboarding the same as they do new hires, it would probably be a lot more successful.
1: Okay, that's interesting. And if we think long-term, right, one, one of the recommendations is continuous career assessment. And let's explore that. What does that mean for a mother in STEM?
2: So, if you when you read the report, which you have, uh, there's three sets of uh, recommendations. And so, you're now talking about the third set of recommendations. And the first consideration in that third set is this continuous career assessment and so one of the themes that became really evident from the responses individuals was that when you graduate from university a lot of people kind of hop on what i refer to as the career treadmill right you get in at a company um, at first if you are in engineering say you're an eit you get some roles uh, especially in the energy industry there's this idea of having rotational Uh, opportunities. So you get some field experience and get to try out different parts of the business. And then you start to kind of settle in whatever opportunities become available within the organization. Um, Now, what happens, uh, I've started to notice, is that the mid-career, if you're not kind of uh, climbing a ladder, you start to get a little bit almost bored or disenfranchised with your lot in life. Now, if you combine that with a parental leave where you've been away and now you need to come back to a company and you're not feeling supported, that really is a recipe for disaster. And so I wonder if we were conditioned as a society to be continually doing these career check-ins to say, do I like what I'm doing? Am I good at this? And am I adding value to the company? Am I happy in, you know, my day-to-day work? I think that if we were conditioned to ask those questions and to continually be doing these adjustments to make sure that we were fulfilled in what we were doing, we might be a lot happier and we might be a lot more invested in staying within the workforce or finding roles which meet all of those requirements, but also offer us a nice work-life balance.
1: Yeah, the reason I asked you about continuous careers assessment is... I always find everybody I talk to, it's always, well, this is what I'm doing now. I want to do like everybody is always think we're on a journey, right? What right. What does that look like? And what does it mean, I guess, in a if you have a dual career family? Because parenthood is definitely a time of major change, right? And so how should a sort of a dual career family deal with this, you know, question of continuous career assessment going back to work? That's a big sort of block to untangle.
2: It is. And, you know, what I have found is as a dual career household myself, we've kind of learned through trial and error. We don't see um, any sort of examples of other dual career families. I don't really know of outside of our immediate peer group who kind of went through that transition all at the same time together. So we're lucky in that regard that, you know, you have friends that are all going through the same thing. But if we think about, um, organizations specifically organizations to support women we always see women on panels we always see women giving the keynotes we don't ever talk about fathers uh, as caregivers and also workers no one ever asks men you know how are you navigating uh, your work-life integration to ensure that you have the time and the space for your family but i think in reality This is a big area for many men and for many families, but as society, we don't really talk about it. And not only are we not talking about uh, men as workers and fathers, we're not talking about families as having two careers that we're trying to equitably progress while also trying to share the load at home. And I I think that the reality is that's probably a larger proportion of our population than we think it might be um and i also think it's an underserved population and i can't help but wonder if we treated workplaces as more family friendly and men felt more comfortable to bring their fatherhood selves into the workplace the positive effects that that might have for women
1: so what would that look like what would that look like when you say bringing cuz i find in some ways cuz i'm thinking again few years ago, but when I, you know, when I came back to work or rather when I was at work and had a child, you go off for a couple of weeks, you come back, but there was this, oh yeah, you know, Pete's a new dad and you get, there's a little bit of, you know, time given, et cetera, but very quickly that ramps back up. It does, it goes away very quickly. So I'm thinking, what would that look like?
2: For sure, and working parenthood is so much more than just that period of parental leave. And so I think we're seeing more men taking their parental leave, especially in the energy industry. There's this now uh, six week uh, paid parental leave that a lot of companies are offering, and men seem to be availing of that. Um, and what's nice is the more men that are doing it, it's kind of like the herd mentality, right? more The more they see it, the more they think, "Oh, I can do that." And that's fantastic because we want more men taking parental leave. But, When the leave is over and both parents are back into the workforce, what that means is that mom and dad are sharing the drop offs. They're sharing the pickups. They're sharing when the kids are at home sick and you have to work from home that day. And so, you know, I think that I'm pretty fortunate because in my world, um, the people that I work with, you know, it's very common that you see them coming in a few minutes late because they had to drop their kid in the morning or they're working from home because their kid is sick. But I think in a perfect world, we would see that everywhere and we would see a lot of dads actually talking about um, the struggle of trying to work and be present and progress their career while also sharing that full load at home. Because the kids are not just the parents' responsibility. Dads are parents too. And that's something that I say over and over, especially in a step mom's Instagram account. Dads are parents too.
1: So I guess I want to explore, I guess, in, in in that section of the third one that had career, continuous career, the third recommendation, but because when I thought about that and looked at how do we support STEM moms, I always think, well, many organizations have programs to support high potential staff, right? So through mentorship, leadership development, new opportunities, they're going to nurture that pipeline of people. But we also have strong contributors who may not be on a leadership path, right? And Again, how do we support them? Because they are all, again, important uh, parts of our our work teams.
2: And that's a great question, Pete, because um, we know that STEM professionals are incredibly technical people. And so what you'll see is when you start out at an organization, often you'll either go on a management track or you'll take the technical track. Now, for some people who are subject matter experts in their field, they're going to feel really confident about this technical track. But you're going to get a large proportion of people who become, i uh, say, program leaders or project managers, or they might be leading initiatives. They have fantastic base of technical experience from, say, the first 10 years of their career, but they might not be in uh, a management role. And perhaps that's not even their career arc, but they're also not in the subject matter expertise role. And often these people are left out of the conversation. These are what I have coined an untitled leader. They're actually leaders, but they don't hold a leadership title. They have lots of knowledge of the organization. They have knowledge of the industry. They have those soft skill sets to progress and push initiatives. Oftentimes, these are undervalued skill sets, but they're incredibly important. And I think if we were to value these individuals and give them, you know, promote them and also consider them for actual management roles. I think that a lot of these people who have found themselves in this situation would feel better about their lot in life. They would feel more confident about their career arc, and they might be more likely to stick it out and stay in the game. One of the things that kind of came up time again in in the discussions, in the focus groups was, you know, I'm not a leader yet. I don't feel successful. Now I'm having a really tough time. Why am I even here? And so I wonder if we were to value those types of individuals and their contributions if that might help people stay in the game
1: so i remember when you were starting this project and and it was just a concept and that was a year and a half ago right so projects complete you've got the report you've you know you've been do, out briefing i guess the question is how do you envision this report being used as a resource and and what's next what's next for the project
2: so i love this question because i work full-time and i also have two young children and so my life is incredibly busy. This is something that I've dedicated the majority of my spare time. I'm doing air quotes here to say spare time because I don't have a lot of it. But I've dedicated a significant portion of my personal time to this project over the last year and a half. And it was a big push to get the report published and to get it out. And such a sense of relief now that it is out. And I have really crafted the report in there to identify here is the call to action. So each finding has a call to action and it also has a targeted audience. So recommendation finding number one is for women's organizations, whether that's nonprofits, for profits, industry associations, employee resource groups. And so if anyone is involved with any of those types of organizations, I would love for you to read the report and the recommendation number one. I have the call to action. I even have ideas for events for these types of organizations that they can carry out. So the intention is not for me to be part of those events. I'm getting that a little bit where people want to talk about, hey, we want to have you involved with this and that. I would love to be involved with as many things as I could, but I'm very limited on the capacity that I have. So the same goes for the second set of recommendations. Those are for leaders, teammates, peers co-parents, spouses of stem mothers. It's very clearly outlined what the call to action is and how you can be an ally, what actions you can take to advocate for stem mothers. And so I've crafted the report again, so that anyone can take it and implement those actions. And then the third set of findings, those are for society in general. And they're kind of considerations that I want to change the way people are thinking about certain things and piquing their curiosity to say, hey, what can I do different to support? And so really, I know the report is long. It's really long, but I felt I had to have it that long to capture it adequately.
1: Well, I don't think it's that long, first of all. I think it was good. It was well-written and it's a good summary. It is a good summary. So, but then on that, I mean, the report. So if people want to know more about the STEM Moms Project, what should they do?
2: So you can follow along. I'm most active on Instagram. So very much like a working parent content. Instagram space. LinkedIn is a little bit more professional. So, STEM Moms Project, we have our own page on LinkedIn. That's where I'm sharing the report. And I try to share any type of activities or offerings or events that might be relevant to working parents or women in STEM. Um, And then also, the report is housed on the website, which is stemmomsproject.com. You can download the report there and you can read it. And if you want to reach out to me on LinkedIn, you can always connect with me, Julie Hocko and ask any questions that you might have.
1: Great. Well, Julie, I'd like to say thanks for sharing your story with us today.
2: Thank you, Pete. I really appreciate it. And I want to point out that you having me on this podcast is definitely an act of allyship. And so I really appreciate that, not just the podcast, but your support since the beginning of the project. Thank you.
1: If you like the podcast,
0: please subscribe. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by New Idea Machine. NIM helps new software developers, UI UX designers, and product managers gain mentored, hands-on industry experience. And at the same time, we provide companies with risk-free tech talent. Definitely a win-win-win situation. Visit newideamachine.com for more information. Music for the show was created by Tony Del Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.